Stage is set. The mics are on. It's not another fight cast time. With your hosts, fighting out of the blue corner. This man is a former fighter. The voice of Brave Combat Federation and Clan Wars MMA. The great and powerful Phil Campbell. Fighting out of the red corner. This man is a former fighter. And now one of the best coaches in mixed martial arts. The one and only Andy the icon, Burroughs! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome along to Not Another Fight Cast with myself, Phil Campbell, and Andy Burroughs. Andy, how are you doing, buddy? Not too bad, Phil. Glad to be back. Sorry, folks, we missed last week. Uh, a lot of work commitments for both Phil and I, a lot of coaching commitments. So we were one podcast down last week, but we are glad to be back. And this week, I am very, very pleased to say we are with a very good personal friend of mine who I've known for nearly two decades now. He is, uh, it just sounds like it's so long, um, he's also one of Ireland's, if not Ireland's, premier strength coach, and he is singly one of Ireland's Generation 1 mixed martial artists. Um, when I say Generation 1, he was in at the ground level, the same as myself and a couple of other guys, when mixed martial arts was basically nothing in Ireland, um, and nothing virtually all over Great Britain and around the world. And I'm pleased to say I am with Mr. Paul Murray of Primal Fitness here in Lisburn. Paul, how are you getting on? I'm doing great, Andy. Great to see you again, mate. Great stuff. I'm really happy to have you on the show. We've talked about this for some time, getting together and doing something like this, so I'm glad we could finally get it over and done with. Um, Phil, where do you want to start? Just... Well, we're, we're, we're in the gym today, so we've, we've had a wee look around the gym. Uh, it's a fantastic facility, obviously. So tell us a little bit about sort of the, the, the genesis of the gym, how this came around and, and, and what you do here. I don't know. This is just like, this is the, the third one for me, so it is now. It's like third time lucky, I suppose. This is like Fight Academy Ireland, first off. Didn't work out for me. Fire and Fit didn't work out for any of us. So this one here. I think I've taken everything I've learned from every gym. Mm-hmm. And just sort of now I made the mistakes, made my mistakes, and now I sort of put this together. And what is that learning? What are the things that you've taken with you, and what are the things you've kind of implemented and and made this a success? I've, I've actually went smaller. Every time okay. I've got a gym, I've went smaller. Fairly calmly iron as well. It was about eight thousand square foot, I think, when I left. It was huge, um, but it was it was too big for me. It was like you know, for me, it's about. I'll tell you what it is. Prime example. Think of MMA when we were that compared yeah. to MMA today. Who do you know in MMA today? I don't know anyone. Very ever. few. But when we were sparring, it was like, we were sparring. If we were fighting, we might be sparring three weeks beforehand because there was such a small community. Tiny community. And that, but to me, that's what, maybe it's romantic for me, but mm-hmm. that's what I always think about. That sort of, you know, up in Davies with sparring with Rodney and sparring with Emmett mm-hmm. and just in a garage and learning off, learning TV, or learning, not even DVDs. Videos. It was videos, VHS. Yeah. <laughs> we had yeah. Davies garage, we had a, t- a small portable TV, a VHS, and a tape from America that David learned and we just spend hours rewinding it and just teaching ourselves because that's that's how you learn that's how we learn that's and magazines learn. grapplers were the grappling grappler, magazine grappling magazine they were, the, they were the two they were the only way we learned it because no black belts no Brazilians no very few there was Mercio Cordy do you remember him a very very long time ago whenever BJJ basically just was like in its literal infancy like its pupa stage Mauricio Cordy came over for a while who was the one that Graham Keyes brought over? That was Mauricio Cordy. Was that Mauricio Cordy? They have a guy that battle. No, that was, uh, oh, that, oh, what Felipe did you call him? yes, yes Luis Falharez. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, who that, that was. was. That was only Black Belt. I remember he walked in and I was like, what the mm. fuck? Yeah, I was like, like a wizard. You whispered it, you whispered it. Mm-hmm. Like a wizard, you expect him to cast a spell on you or something. Third down or fourth down? He, yeah, but he, he, I, didn't, I never remember him actually showing anything good. He, he looked kind of pissed off all the time. He just he like, didn't like, he? like this is shit. Adam's fucking fat, cold. And he's fat. fucking really. I remember one time I'm showing a sidekick, and I remember thinking to myself, "Don't be doing this. It's just, it's not. You know, like the worst time. This is how we do this." And I was going, "No." That's not that would not work. No, that's how you get your teeth knocked we, out. We've had I've been with Frankie for for yeah. a few years, so you knew what a kick was compared yeah. to this. You know thing what it shit. looks like, and it, when that's another good thing. So, we, so what you've rightly pointed out in the infinite day on a very f- <coughs> beginnings of mixed martial arts in Ireland, there wasn't the sort of experience level that there is now. And whenever you and I, you really pointed out, like there is a romanticism to it because everybody knew everybody. And um, you remember the first ever 
shows over here that <laughs> Street Life Center. But worse than that, do remember, after that, do you remember uh, thing Stevie Ray's head button your mannequin? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. That's <laughs> yeah. what happened. <laughs> They ran these like sort of Johnny and Patty called them MMA trials events because they were seeing how this would work out, and uh-huh. then they were going to maybe try and push for a headshot show. So they were like smoker fights. Pretty similar, right. yeah. So there was a guy that we worked with, a guy called Stephen Rice, who Stevie was one of the nicest human beings you're ever going to wish to meet. Stop and he was one of the fittest, toughest guys you're ever going to meet. Uh-huh. And he thought, I'm going to have a go at this. Didn't really know too much, so Stevie basically lost the rag halfway through it and just headbutted the guy. Fair enough. Yeah. Hi. But <laughs> again, it, it was like it was at such an embryonic stage. Nobody knew how this was going to work out. Uh-huh. So that was what people viewed MMA as. It sounds terrible, but it then went marginally further. If you remember Davy's first show, do you remember that? What one? The, the one in the boxing club. Yeah, yeah, that was. I, I was the headline of that one. I rags right through the video. <laughs> and here's me fucking. I've got one tattoo in my back and like one wee tattoo, one tattoo, and I'm like, I've got a wee bit of a belly. Still do have the belly, but um, I remember it was actually. One of your boys, Anthony. Anthony, yes, Anthony. Yeah. And I remember, I just ran out windmill that fucking no, no stand up game at all. Like a stand up of duck no legs, and I just threw fucking three punches, grabbed them, fucking the floor, and just I remember just jumping top of them and just <laughs> just berserk everyone. Yeah. And then I remember being put off and just going, Aah! I just run about the fucking thing yeah. and I was thinking I won the UFC World Title. Right, it was, uh, it was that's just it. Uh, did you use the term intimate environment? Was, was <laughs> fucking they're close. You were close to the cage. I'm the cage. I'm close to you. I, it was in it was in the ring. If you remember, nah. it was a boxing ring. Like a really like, and there was no. Oh what, no, that was the fair. Oh no, shit! I think this, that was the one I fought. Um, Keith Bradley got Keith, got my shoulder. Yes, that? that was the that's very right. first one. And Hugh yes. Fallon. I remember Hugh, Hugh Fallon knocked your man the, uh, from Sweden. The Swedish dude out. Yannick or something. Yeah, knocked the guy out. He was one of the best knockouts I've ever seen. And it looked like nothing to. Just yeah, to, just like him touching the mm-hmm. fucking. That was. That was and that's I fought Lee at your club. Do you remember Lee Kennedy? Leo. Oh, Leo, fuck right, that's right. Yeah, I what, fought Leo. What Kennedy. kind of year are you talking there? What that year are you talking? Was 2000. 2000. Year 2000. That's mad. So it really was in its complete and utter infancy. Listen, like that. you have no idea. I actually remember that fight, what I, the day before that fight, or no, it was the fight I was talking about, the one that I fought, um, Anthony. Anthony. David got these gloves, and they were like blue, and I remember they, had, like, they, they were ribbed at the top, you know, but the like pattern the was like Yes, yeah. but the, the, the grip, there was, really a hole, there was a hole for a thumb, and your hand was covered with this like material, the same material on the mm. top, you couldn't get grip, but we thought they were fuck. And that one bit of velcro, that wee tiny shitty elastic, like you wouldn't see if see if someone sold them. You'd expect them in like Pounder or um, Sports Direct <laughs> for a fiver. You'd get them for that. That's how bad these gloves were. But back in the day, we thought they were the best ever. Them and Harbinger gloves. Ha- I, had, I still have mine. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Do you remember Viper? I have my Viper still. You still have a pair yep, of Vipers? Still have them. Yep. Still so they were my they were my first ever pair of MMA gloves. I started. I was doing a beginner's course. Came to the beginner's course with a fucking pair of four ounce gloves. So as I was saying. Started uh, a beginner's course, turned up with my four ice gloves, thinking I was King Kong, thinking I was Randy Couture ready to go. But what I'd like to know is how, how you got involved in mixed martial arts. What was, what, because you are one of the first generation of guys uh, in this island to really be at it. So how did it come about in a time when the sport was, was very much in its infancy and in, in, on a global scale? So how did it come about that you were involved in it on this island? A fluke, complete fluke. <clears throat> that's what I, <clears throat> sorry, that's what I laugh at. It's like, because of the, this gym here, basically would not exist if it wasn't for Davy Patterson. That's how mad I was. Like, I'm always, I always give Davy Patterson credit because he's. We've said as well when we've done yeah. like the, the majority of clubs in some way, like if have a link to Davy. Yeah, if, if some route back to him. If he's if he's the main river, all these little tributaries lead off into other clubs that somehow have a connection to Davy Patterson. People, I don't think people. Listen, John Cavan is the man in Irish MMA because he was he was listen. Regardless of what you want to say, but I, I like, like John. John. So I, I like John. Yeah. But the guy, he's done, he's taken it he and has. he's run and he's fucking done amazing and he has done amazing. Conor McGregor's a cunt, that's simple as that. Hateful human being. Hateful, horrible, human being. horrible human being. Everyone always, I always said it, you probably always said it. Yep. Anyone who's an Irish MMA has always said it. Mm-hmm. It was, what happened now was predicted. I called it years ago. Yep. Years ago, I said he's going to be a dick the way he was always a dick. Mm-hmm. You just can't, mm-hmm. you can't change. Money doesn't make it, money just makes you a big, bigger dick. It makes you yeah. bigger than Do what you know, are. It amplifies those aspects of your personality because you can get away with it. What I will say is Completely. I respected him more. The only time I ever respected Connor, truly respected him, was when he got beat to Nathia. See the way yeah. he spoke about it. There was no excuses. There was no yeah. fucking, he just went, listen, I was not good enough. 
that's the type of attitude I see if he could hold that attitude throughout the whole of his career he'd been a fucking he would have been and, and none of that people are getting sick of him now of course they are and I did make I have said this to you I've said it on another podcast before with Jack and Mel that people talk about this amazing power that Connor has Connor knocked out one guy in the UFC yes, he just punched a 68 year old man that's the a 68 year old man turned him took a drink of his pint after the only reason that fight got stopped is because the big man didn't get off his stool at the end of it well that was fantastic but what was it was, it was lean back to how you got in the martial arts aye race. so John Kavanagh like, has given respect because of the fame of UFC but David Patterson to be honest like, yeah the man is the, he's, he's the OG of MMA in this country and for anyone who's ever trained him with Tom, him he's, Tom he's Tom a, Lamont, him and Tom Lamont exactly. he's a Jedi you know he's, he's, he's still, st- still doing the splits and everything have you, have you ever grappled David I've, well I wouldn't call it grappling with him I've been t- thrown about by him there's there's a few people that I have grappled with very few but there's a couple that I have grappled with and it's just like it's like grappling with water it's the most helpless I've ever felt it's, you feel like to continue your analogy you feel like you're drowning I know exactly when I'm going to get beat about <clears throat> five, move, five moves before he's got yeah. me and I know he's trapped me in somewhere and I can see them, I can see it in my head I go just fuck can't get out of it. I've turned this way shit it's over and I'm like, and I'm, in my head I'm now defeated because I know he's so tight and he's only 60 odd kilo, maybe 70 mm. kilo. Well, he's probably about 80 kilo now, the fat man. He's 50. <laughs> Hear that, David? Fat bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, every time I grab him, you just, you just know and he's laughing and he's so tight mm. and then he all of a sudden he's light and he flows the next. And you're like, oh. He is. And then absolute. he's like, he's like concrete on you mm. and it's just frightening. He's fantastic. I was at Akuma about three years ago and there was a couple of guys fighting and it was one of the very first Irish shows to have a TV backstage so we were watching the TV just before we were walking out and uh, there was a fight on and I was like the guy was trying to do some strange rubber guard thing and I was like that's not going to work here and there was a guy who's training with Davey a young guy looked around at me and went oh, what do you know Davey can make it work and I said see if you told me Davey Patterson can fucking levitate I believe you <laughs> and, he told, and, and strangely straight away after that the guy who was trying the stupid guard thing got absolutely knocked spark out because it didn't work for him, but I would have believed if Davy had done that, Davy would have got it to work. He Listen, was just that sort of a character. I went up to, I went up to, I hadn't been at grappling in years, and I went up to Davy's, and I was like walking home. I swear to God, I still think it was. It so was that where you began? Was it progressive combat? At the yeah, time? I was. I've been progressive combat all my life. Yeah. The Fight Academy Ireland was originally progressive combat yeah. Belfast. Mm-hmm. Davy and I had a bit of a spat. I've like a fallout for about two years, mm-hmm. but it was actually upset me. It was actually mm-hmm. one of the one of the most painful experiences I've had because Davy is. One of my closest friends, mm. even even now, even though I don't go up that much, when I go up, it still feels like home to me. Yeah. And I remember walking in for the first time and just was like, the emotions hit me. Do you know, like, if I, I, I created, I found a fight academy, Ireland. I was the original, before Liam Shannon, before fucking Ireland, before Poglas, it was me. I got, I started up in the Falls Lash Centre, Progressive Combat Belfast. Mm-hmm. I remember it. I just started off. I started like one night a week and two nights, three nights, four nights, and yeah. for two years, I had that place in my own that I asked him to come in with me because he was a PT at that time and uh, I was going to open a gym. But even though Fight Academy Ireland was my creation, it never felt like like, oh. uh, like, like it belonged to me, does that make sense? So what was the difference then? What was, you obviously had that emotional connection with... It goes back to what we were talking about, Darren. It goes back to what we were talking about, about the, what I said about gyms going smaller. Yeah. Davies was a small community. Uh-huh. And that's why Primal's like such a success. It's not about numbers, it's about the community. And the same with Davies, it was the community. You walked up and you felt like you belonged there. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't just a number. Mm-hmm. You walked in, doesn't matter what night you went on, you know you're going to walk in and everyone's going to go, what's happening? And you're going to smile, happy. Yeah. And, and everyone's going, you're going to feel welcome. And there's, it, I think it takes skill. And not even skill, just it just takes something to create that atmosphere. And I think that's what's wrong with RCMMA right now. Maybe, maybe romantic, I don't know. But back in the day... I remember Cage Warriors 2. I had to fucking pay to go down to Galway. We had to pay. Yes, the fight, we had to fucking pay. Yeah. I was pro fight and you... And we got our cut knocked in. I yeah. mean, I got set up, like me and Greg Pollard, or Greg uh, Lockern, got set up like fucking the cops setting up fucking the worst IRA terrorist in the planet. <laughs> you have never seen anything in your life like I'm not so up. sure about Greg because Greg any day of the week would have went through that guy. I think he was just unlucky. Me? I think you, unfortunately, on that day were... were <laughs> basically a victim um, I, I believe <laughs> you 100% and I remember you and I talking about it later on that night when I had a hand the size of a baby's head because it shattered it but you had you, that was a fucking horrendous fight but I felt sorry for Greg because I think Greg beat him later on the guy called Phil Gilday fought. it was a guy called Phil Gilday because I remember it had, had, a, had a pecky sort of yes, thing yes and he's a small he's smaller than me bald head pretty stocky dude big prominent 
face. <laughs> he was very lucky against well, do you know what I, Do you know what I can remember? I can remember walking in. I, like, I've, I will openly admit this. I was never a fighter. I hated fighting, but I was always a coach. I've always been uh-huh. a coach in my life, and I've always enjoyed helping others become better at what they do. It's like a vocation for me. A coaching is the vocation. I only fought because I had to fight so I could then coach other people. You have to, for me, there's too many fighters, too many coaches, and I have never fought MMA. No, that's How fair. the fuck can you actually... Have you never experienced experience it? Experience it, you know? Yeah. I don't know what your fighters going through. You can't empathise. You can't. You can tell them, oh, do this. You're like, that fighter's going to you. You've never experienced this. Shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. I know it's like to be on the receiving end of getting battered and wanting nothing more than for the world to end. Mm-hmm. And I've been yeah. that elation of winning. So you need to, I think you need to experience that. As a good coach, you have to experience something like that. But um, I actually remember walking into the rules meeting and Greg, the guy Greg was fighting, mm-hmm. I remember looking at him going, please, sweet Jesus, do not let me fight that man. Mm-hmm. He was the only guy that intimidated me in the whole room. He just yeah. looked, he just had that, you know, the big mm-hmm. eyebrows and the stir. Yeah. And like, I'm he like, looked he, like an oxo cube, like a mini yes. white oxo cube. <laughs> but I remember just thinking, like, don't fight him. He's, and then I seen Greg fighting him and I just remember seeing the punches and I was like, oh. And I think Davey was set up that night, but Davey actually won. Davey, no, no, I remember that, that fight with Davey. Davey was always, I thought Davey was always going to win that. Fuck, okay, we didn't, we thought, but I remember your You climbed your man's back? Aye. Yep, I, I was like John, John Williamson. John Williamson was a cracker. Who was the guy for? Uh, of Lee Thurfield. He was, Lee Thurfield. He, I remember he told me, he was like, because I weighed in, I cut like fuck to get 77 kilo, and then I said here, he said to me, at the end of it, he says, I'm sorry, so I was like, no worries, like, thanks very much, and he's like, he's like, what weight are you? He's like, 85. He's like, I had to fight the 70, cut the 77. Like, how long have you been training? He's like, oh, maybe it's seven years. He's like, I've been training eight months. <laughs> it was a complete fucking yeah. setup. I, I, I think I have pictures somewhere of that. I, I do what I remember. I remember, I still remember the fight. He, he ran at me and I stepped off because it was, I was still, I was training with Frankie for a bit at this point. And he stepped off, a big massive brown kick to his legs and I chopped both his legs at the same time. He jerked forward and I grabbed him and I tried to do a judo throw, but I had no, no judo experience. And he just, <laughs> <laughs> he just fucked me on the back, got on top of me, and I actually I seen these big white flashes. And I remember, that I can still clear today, big, but four or five big. And then I remember the referee going, Are you okay? And I just remember going, What the fuck? so long because <laughs> back in the days tapping oh, was tapping for bitches you yeah, weren't you were it was, it was like the screens you, know, you couldn't like tap you can't tap from strikes arm bar is not a problem you couldn't tap from really naked chokes you mm-hmm. go unconscious and you can't tap from strikes the referee will save you then that was the ego type day uh-huh. because well, do you even, remember who was referee do you there was a baldy French guy so Fred Rado he was a tough fucker himself really really tough dude himself I remember so he would have just let you you know he just like I know now we. I'm glad that MMA has the referees. It does. We do. We do have some great referees in Ireland. We, yeah. Like, the likes of Decky, the likes of Aiden, excellent Peter, really, really good referee as well. But like back then, it was some. You know, don't get me wrong. Fred was a brilliant referee as well. He was very, very good and attentive. But he would have fucking. So just, still that old school mentality. Still old school mentality right. that you just put up with enough. And, but you took some terrible, terrible punishment. Like, well, what, what were the kind of guys you were? Who were the kind of guys you were training with? Because I'm genuinely interested. Because you know, I, I'm you know obsessed with with uh, with Irish MMA. So who were the the guys you were training with at the time? Thomas Duff and Greg Locker and Thomas. Thomas was a tough See if Thomas's knees weren't going, he'd be UFC material. He was. He was. He's the happiest. I remember walking into his house one time, and me and the mate Ricky McMahon, we were sitting. There's like about thirty of them. Like I don't know, the, the mum and dad must have just bred forever. Like they just, there was just hundreds of them, like and they're all ginger, and they're all we were sat in the middle of the floor, and they just all played around. The friendliest family in the world. We were just like, huh? And they're like, it was like going round. It's like everyone's asking questions. So why everybody? Like, yes, yes, yes. Another question. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> and we're walking around the church. But Thomas was one of the greatest guys. Yeah, like you yeah. mentioned Greg Locker in there. For me, he's one oh. of the most underrated combat sports athletes this island's ever produced. Here's the problem. Irish MMA back in the end days. Did not have the recognition. It wasn't sexy. There was Greg no platform. Locker and fucking nearly beat Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, in the first Bellator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember he dropped him. Uh, yeah. Dropped him, mm-hmm. and it just you know. But look at the people he has beaten. You look now: Norman Park, yeah. Andre Winner. These are people that have gone on to UFC, Bellator, Fame, KSW, Fame. Greg Locker would have wiped the floor with anybody. Greg would walk in the MMA gym now, and, and he, no one know him. And he, and, would, would, and he would kill nearly. I'd say ninety-five percent. Easy. Of the, no, no, no. It's not even ninety-five to me. It's still a hundred. Greg's the best fighter ever to walk out of this island. He would mop the floor. In my Gregor. We had this conversation about yep. down the car, he would have destroyed him. You I made a comment about two years ago coaching um and I used Greg as it's coaching in action, which you'll understand as well, where you, something happens in front of you and you explain it using a real fight or a real scenario mm-hmm. from a from a comp- competitive element. And I said that was perfect because it was just like Greg Locker and if you remember what remember watching Greg Locker do this or that. 
and somebody said to me, "Who's Greg Lockran?" And I actually that's I, a travesty. I, I actually, do you know what fucking YouTube is? Go home and put this man into YouTube. He is absolutely outstanding. The hardest I've ever been hit in my life. Spartan once, and it was a body shot, and it folded me like a fucking deck chair. Mm-hmm. I've never been hit like that. But yet, he was the nicest, most mm-hmm. unassuming, humble man with it as well. Th- yeah. that's, that, that, that's, that's missing now. That that's exactly missing what it is. It's missing but now. are we just being romantic? No. We're not. Because it's a different era. It's an entertainment era. But it's not even the MMA. It's culture of the world. Yeah. When we got into the MMA, why did you get into MMA? Why? Yeah. Because I was fucking bored. And I wanted to compete at something. There was, but there was, like, for me, like, I, like, I'm pretty open about my suicidal attempts and fucking mm. my, my depressions and mm. the bullying that I experienced as a kid. I'm, I think it's important to talk, talk about, about that. things like Every man. Do you know, like, I, I've tried suicide many times. And um, the last time was only two years ago. Holy shit. But, like, so... MMA for me, I, I was bullied really badly as a child, like uh-huh. plucking, I, my, my whole childhood was just a, my mum and dad on suicide watch because mm-hmm. it was just, they were always waiting for me to do something because I was so depressed, so I was different, it turns out I had ADHD, so I didn't know what's name was. When did you get your diagnosis? I didn't, I've got ADHD, <laughs> <laughs> trust me, I've, I've, there's a lot of yeah. people know, you just, I've did, like, if you, you watch my know? videos, yeah. I've been studying, I study a lot, like I read and I study, and I, I was wondering why my mind works the way it is and so I started this is all my depression started like I've done I've done so many trips of DMT I'm going to do ayahuasca I've done LSD I've done psilocybin everything to try to discover the inner me and just experience like try to experiment yeah what, what, what is why, wrong with me? why what, am I why am I the way I am so rather than not what's wrong with you because yes, people are just different, different and unique the same as me the same as I discovered this guy Gregor Mate mm-hmm. who's a, a psychiatrist and his books are brilliant but I was listening to one of his books and I, I, I've got eight of the nine traits of ADHD uh-huh. but it's all Google work and I was mm-hmm. like fuck but it, it Gregor Matei's book and I was like this is fucking mm-hmm. it was like someone was speaking to me it was frightening now maybe I'm wrong I don't know because I'm going to say you're probably not ADHD is, is, is a different there's, there's different spectrums of it obviously yeah, of course. but there's a lot of stuff like I'm very artistic I'm very talented creatively I wrote books fucking kids books of do art. I, I'm a fantastic artist. I'm a really, really good artist. I've sold a lot of paintings. That's why I asked you when we came in here, just for the benefit of people who are listening. Obviously, we don't have a video. There's some excellent uh, superhero canvases on on the wall. Paul Toy didn't do them, but I have seen the ones that he has done, and there's not a great deal of difference between a lot of these. So that obviously made me think of: Is this your own art? So I know you're very, very artistic. So that 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 creativity that you talk about, and not necessarily being what you would call neurotypical, has that informed your? your approach to martial arts does that inform your approach to everything you know something it, the lack of understanding my dad was a teacher and as a, t- as a kid I'd always forget things I'd always forget my spelling book I'd always forget my, and spelling was dyslexia is this way like in my fucking numbers and I just and I remember sitting on a chair at table as a child crying my eyes out as an 8 year old my dad just do this and I shouted at me and I just it, what was going in what he was saying I could hear but I couldn't compute it Okay. And it, I went through my whole life thinking I was <coughs> thinking I was just an idiot, just thinking I was stupid, and I convinced myself, and this is why my, my videos are all about mindset, because it's how you think about yourself. So there was an element of self-fulfilling prophecy there, whereby you're told something, if you're told 100%. something repeatedly, you begin I to believe you, it, you become to be, get, yeah. you become to be that thing. I, I just, I believe, because it's like, you're stupid! Okay, I'm stupid. You know, okay. I must and be, because somebody else is telling me that. My dad's yeah, telling self-fulfilling yeah. Self-fulfilling yeah. Self-fulfilling my dad's telling me, I mean, yeah. my dad's embarrassed about me, so fucking obviously, you know, that, that's how I felt. Now, we're going back in the 80s, my dad, Times was, were different, my dad was only 20-something age of himself, 20, maybe 29, 30. He was a young man himself. And I think that back in those days, men were men. And, were, and I was like, maybe embarrassing his son, who he had, he, had, he had ideas of what his son was going to be, and he wasn't, I wasn't living up to them ideas. Uh-huh. But as soon as I actually started learning things myself, and learning my way, things clicked. I, never, I didn't realise I'm fucking intelligent. Mm. But it did took but you me... you just need a different path. And, that, and that's probably why something like MMA was such a good fit because you can be creative and you can use your body and you can, if you want, exhibit these signs yes. without anybody basically a, a pointing it out or B telling you you're wrong for doing it. Because you can be creative in a, in a, in a physical way. You can also get out frustration, yeah. which is the element of what we all know from physical fitness. We're all here because yeah. of the fitness industry, ultimately. Um and that is another massive creative outlet. That's probably why you ended up well, gravitating funny. to something like well, that. Well, because I was bullied so badly. Because and then I don't like saying because it, it wasn't my dad's fault. I'm mm. not blame. I don't blame him at all. I'm not at all now. Mm. But that sort of 
childhood experience. Yeah. Made me go, well, if my dad thinks I'm stupid, I am stupid. And then it sort of affected me, my confidence. Mm. Not, I'm only realising this as an adult now, you know, it affected my confidence. So kids would really bully me very. Mm. I became a bully in the street, I became the bully. The bully becomes the bully, you know, as yeah. a kid. That sort of thing happens. Um, but I always remember watching Bruce Lee, karate kid. Yeah. Fantasizing about how I could beat these bullies and I would do this and that and then when I came to it, I would just go in the shell. But I've always had that looking back on it, I've always had this tenacity about I might fail but I never quit. Mm-hmm. Do you know I never give up? I had this and mm-hmm. in, in this inner I don't know, desire to be really good at something or you know, to be respected at something, I think. But I'd done judo, done karate, done Muay Thai, done Kung Fu, done every martial art in mm-hmm. the song. And then Tom uh, Paul Lamont, a friend from Nathan Leisure Centre, he said maybe present Jitsu in the Graham Keys in the Mayfield Leisure Centre. Went there and met Davey. Through Davey came MMA and that's and now through MMA. I had to open Fight Academy Ireland. Fight Academy Ireland I realised I needed to learn how to train my, 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 my fighters in the strength training ways. Mm-hmm. Didn't agree with what Liam was doing but the bodybuilding style of pushing the failure. Started reading Strong First stuff. Got into Pavel, kettlebells. Mm-hmm. Davey introduced me to kettlebells, yeah, I think. Uh-huh. So then I got but into that was ahead of its time then too. Yeah. Obviously, a very good friend of mine who sadly passed on. I think he knew Jason Kelly as well. Ah, Jason, yeah. One of the most awesome human beings ever. Fucking martial, sadly, one, of the, one of the greatest martial artists this country's ever seen. Yeah, uh, undoubtedly. And very sadly frightened. taken far, far too soon. But a, a lovely, lovely person. Um, it was Jason that introduced me to Pavel and introduced me to kettlebells. So, and that obviously shows you the same calibre of human being yeah. in that respect. It's very similar mindsets for both those guys, actually. But And then you have then found yourself, as you've already pointed out, like this linear pattern coming from the martial arts world, seeing when you were at Fight Academy Ireland, these guys need something else other than, as you described, the bodybuilding way where you're pushing to failure. And then you have then moved on from there. Where did you end up after Fight Academy Ireland? Ironfit. 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 And that was, that was a good experience. That was a brilliant experience because... <clears throat> There was conflict, don't get me wrong. Like, when I mean, you've got five heads, five alphas, and you're going to fuck There's going to be disagreements, and you yeah. And I think, I think Iron Fit was destined to split, to be honest with you. And I think it was the best thing happened in hindsight. Niall's done his things, Neil's done his, Stephen's mm-hmm. flying his, with Aga, and I'm doing my thing. But our messages have always, like, you could see in Iron Fit the direction we wanted to go. So it's a collective ethos, but the way in which you're approaching that, or the way in which you're trying. So you have the ethos, we'll call that point C but the way in which everyone's getting from point A to point C they're taking different ways different to paths it different paths different paths to it you know yeah. it was like and I I think there's always going to be that I've been cut my cloth's been cut from MMA so it's like you have to do this shit mm. it's like stop being a pussy just fucking like okay you don't lift the weight then be fat and it's because it's in MMA if you didn't fucking do the work it showed up, your it showed up. I, I always draw a lineal pattern between running which is a sport sadly I really love and now I can't do because of bloody arthritis um, and, and fighting combat sports because you can kid some of the people some of the time in both but you can never do it for a long period of time you could maybe get away with the first couple of miles of a marathon having not really put the work in but later on it's going to show up it's exactly what you said with MMA you, if you didn't do the work or in boxing I, I draw a long, put a lot, lot of parallels between boxing and running too because it's a single participation sport but you train with the team same with running yes but it'll show, you, it'll show in the cumulative exactly the, the cumulative end product yes yeah. the end product and the end product will show up either either A it's very very good or B it's really completely shit and that will tell whether the person's put in the work or done the work or not that's exactly what Paul said there. if you put in the work it shows on the day in competition or in whatever it is you want to do for you it's building a very very successful fitness industry um, um, here and obviously in your own gym but for other people that might be competing on, on a jiu-jitsu mat or a boxing ring or an MMA yes. what makes me laugh is like and I don't think I'm, I never realised but we are and I think it's, it's taking me by the back admit that we were the pioneers totally we were, without us totally. the, this MMA scene would not be the way it is if it wasn't no. for a handful of small, ten small people. like 10, ten 20 people, people. I mean, not even you're 100% right because to be fair you know this is our, this is our first time yeah. meeting in person but I've known your name f- fucking yunks ago when, when I was just starting to get in the market your name was being thrown around and there was a degree of sort of you know you know, you, you put a degree of respect on that name and that's going back years and years and years so there's there is there is respect now because no, I went on to the GGC mats and I got my last hand with my white belts there's fucking there's, there is that there is that degree of respect and lineage that people do recognise it may not necessarily be as apparent with the, the most recent generation what, what would you say generation 3 yeah, perhaps three, maybe even 4 3 or maybe 4, four but you said something really interesting there when you were talking about you know your, your approach to coaching like if you want to lift the weight lift the fucking weight if you don't be fat is that something that's lost nowadays that's is what I'm going to say because there's a, a dilution in each generation not a dilution there's 
when we done it, the, the reason I was talking about paid, we about us paying the fight. Yeah. That was passion. Mm-hmm. See now, like, and if you're out, you're a young fighter. Listen to this, and you may not know me, and I don't give a fuck if you don't know me, and you don't. But trust me, I know more than you about this sport than you do. Stop fucking putting on Facebook about who you're going to smash and who you're going to because <laughs> no one gives a fuck. You're an amateur fighter, and you're you you don't you have no respect. You have no right to do that yet. You've you you've got to fucking serve your time, and that's what wrecks me. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's not MMA. It's a culture of society. Yes, it is. It's bullshit. And culture. Th- th- what's what's Selfie really and dry, and I know he's your mate, but I fucking do not like fucking what he does in the MMA. IFS fucking the cage the cage. Mm-hmm. I don't like it, and I'm against it. And I've stood and then, up what, against what, the ball. What do you mean, like the the clamour side of the things? Or? It's bullshit, right. and I will say it right now. Totally. Give me why. Tell me why. Because he's fucking putting on amateur fighters, filling the card for amateur fighters, mm-hmm. charging people who are forcing, putting kids who are not ready to fight in front of a thousand people. And that kid could be, that potentially could be the next year, Conor McGregor, but he has not been brought through the ranks. If I put a 17 or 18 year old into a fucking fight in front of a thousand people and he's been on Facebook fucking, oh, I'm going to smash this, and then he gets his face smashed open or whatever and he gets beat. He loses interest in that sport. Had he been brought in the... In the I, I had Small this... Small hole show. Danny Core and I were the ones... I phoned Danny Core. Danny's done this thing. Right? Yeah. I, I phoned Danny and asked Danny about starting that. It was, mm-hmm. it was me, me and yeah. Danny started this, but I dropped off. Started losing the love of him. Me and had other things. Danny pushed it on. But one of my suggestions was, listen, you've got to have rankings. So the first one is club-only shows. Yeah. Where the co- only coaches and fighters attend. There's no headshots, you're in a cage, you get the experience of what it's like to fight in front of a small group of people and get that buzz and that adrenaline. And the consequences rush. taken away. But you're fighting in front of people. The of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're fighting in front of people who don't who are gonna experience the same thing, so there's gonna be that not, they're not gonna get slagged. So we're talking about young fighters at the sort of the, the, the novice level going in, maybe headgear, headshots. I don't want a headgear. I just think they need to do it in a in a, in a situation, an environment where there is no external pressure. Because, listen, armchair fighters are everywhere, and young kids, young kids are very impressionable. And if a young, if a, a young kid gets out after getting beat, and he walks through the crowd, and some fucking dickhead who's never lifted his hand to fucking wipe his own arse, never mind to throw a punch, goes, "Ah, oh, you got beat there, kid." Well, then it, it happened to me, and I remember actually, it was in one of my, it was um, who was I fighting on Davy Show and the Elk? Fuck, he fought in Kids Wars. Everyone's a great fighter. Irish guy or not? F- Irish guy fought for Emmett Clark, Emmett uh, McNally. He beat me by a guillotine. The rope broke. Remember, the, do you remember that time? The, I remember the Rodney. Rope snapped, yeah. The rope snapped and I, in the middle of my fight and fucking I fell through the cage. And fucking, but, camera, but anyway, I remember going to my mates and some guy goes, ah, oh, you got your ass kicked now, didn't there? And it's like, well, do you want to tell you what? At the end of this fight, we'll get in, we'll fight in front of everyone. He's like, oh, what are you getting like that for? It's like, because you're getting like a dick. Because yeah. I have the ball to fucking get in there and you're trying to tell me, I got my ass kicked, but you haven't got the other foot in your life. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And that's what's annoying me because I was, even then, I was very. Very unsure of myself back in the back in I think 20s. everybody was. I genuinely do think everybody was. And I think people like you and me, whenever we were doing this, we were really searching for an identity. Of course, mm-hmm. everyone is. Mm-hmm. But then you've got all these kids who are now going in. It's, it's social media mad, and you're an MMA fan. I'm going to be a cage fighter. UFC come my way. Blah blah blah. A load of bollocks. Fucking, I, I'm telling you right now, there is. I don't know if there's anyone in this country at the moment who's going to be UFC ready. I can't see anyone. I, can't, can't, see, I can't see anyone. When you see guys that are one and 0 two and zero as amateurs and they're hashtag UFC, That's hashtag exactly my it. time, it, it's a terrible precedent to set. I am the strength coach I am today, not because of my courses, not because, but because of experience. Mm. I've done this for twelve years now. I have made as many mistakes as I can possibly more mistakes than, than anyone would ever admit to to get to where I am today, and I'm still making mistakes. It's like everything in life. You, the, the, you can do the courses, you can do it, but you have to serve the time. Uh-huh. If you don't serve the time, you're never going to do it. And you can't serve the time if you're getting slagged on Facebook or people are putting you down. And if you're on, if you're on a social media presence, any kid who's got aspirations of going to UFC, get off social media. Stop it. Until it's, to, until, it's, until it's time for you to be able to market yourself yes, correctly. Yes, forget about these ticket deals. No. If you make a fight... I fucking hate ticket deals. I totally deals. I, that's, 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 that's the thing that Paul has about. Shit. It's just fucking trying to get seats, bums on seats, and making it's these kids about, sell tickets. Dave, Fuck that. Dave Hill is one of the best <laughs> advocates. Do you know Dave Hill at all? No. He's an amateur. One of the best, one of the best amateurs in the country. At the minute. He, his approach to ticket sales is, give me 10, I'll probably give you 10 back. Yes. And it's a great attitude to have because his focus... And I've done it before. I've, I've I've felt under pressure to sell fucking 50, 60 tickets for, that's for wrong, an amateur show. That's the problem. Exactly. You, you should not be fucking uh-huh. having to do that. Exactly. The promoter of the show should be doing that. Prom- see, if you can't, see if you're a promoter and you can't fucking promote your show, get the fuck out of here. Do yeah. you understand? Now, 
I don't know. Is there a way around it? I don't know because I understand that promoters do need to sell tickets. Of course. But if your shows are good enough, people bat. If you're if you're loading the shows with fucking ten fucking amateur fights and then two fucking professionals. But I, I just like that as well. Too, yeah. I don't think there should be as many amateur fights on shows because not only that, where is the platform from somebody to come from an amateur background and move into a professional? Where is it? Where is? But the that's, stage? For, that's formulaic, not just of clan. To give clan wars its dues, yeah. that's just not formulaic of clan wars. It's that's it's formulaic not, of I, I, every. I just used, yeah, I just used yeah, course, as, as yeah. an example. Of course, yeah. that's, that's formulaic of every show on it this is. island. I agree 100%. I'm, I'm definitely not saying anything bad about Clan Wars, but I'm just saying that I that am. is all the shows. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. Well, fuck that shit then. And, and I'll say to Paul his face, mm-hmm. it's a shit model, mm-hmm. but he's not the only one doing it. No, no, but he's not. It is, it is the reason why Irish MMA is on decline, I think. Mm-hmm. The commentators are fucking class, though. The commentators are awesome. Ah, yeah. Fair enough. See, the, see the, like, people are saying MMA is on the incline, Irish MMA is getting more popular. It's going to plateau. But the fighters aren't getting any better. Mm-hmm. No, to be honest, there's not, there's not that... Like, well, if we remember the wave of when you know the Irish fighters took over the UFC, you had Paddy Hulahan, you had uh, Ash okay. Daly, you, you had talking about the, You're talking about guys and girls who were in the scene before this fucking culture of social yeah. media came. Yeah. Now we've got the social media, the social media culture of like promoting yourself. Mm-hmm. And I know more. I'm not going to mention names. We don't want to put kids down. But see if these kids spent more time, as much time fucking on their training as they did about boasting about how good they are. They'd be fucking amazing. Mm. But they don't. It's all about how they're going to smash this opponent. You're the up and comer and hashtag this. And then you've got dickhead coaches who are latching on that because they're so immature and so insecure themselves that they're using it as well. And it's but this culture. don't see what, what damage they're ultimately no. doing. So if the coaches have a responsibility then. Of the coaches have a responsibility to say, look, this, this isn't the way we conduct ourselves. But now you can't. Because now that now the coaches are scared of it, it's like coaches are scared of numbers. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, but and it's like a reputation. It's, I, I, it's, it's why I walked out of MMA. I hated mm-hmm. it. Well, it, genuinely, that's why I, I left MMA too, and literally I was brought I brought back into it through coaching in IFS, and I had I had completely fallen massively out of love with Irish MMA. It's exactly as you said. I described it as a tap out culture where dickheads are wearing tap out t shirt, big fucking belly, talking bullshit about who they're going to beat up, and literally they couldn't knock snow off a fucking rope if they tried. They couldn't kick a peanuts out of a shit. Listen, so, there's too many people complaining to me, but I remember, like, when I was training with Davey, doing the door at night, 3am, yeah. getting home at half three, getting up again at nine, going to Davey's for ten, coming home for, coming home at twelve, going to sleep for a couple of hours, getting back up, going back up to Davey's again, come back home, get my uniform on, get my gear on, go back to the door, get, and that cycle of that's, that's what, uh-huh. I, I, that's, literally that was our existence for ten years, but I missed my twenties doing that. Yes, that's like, that's like guys, like, guys like Greg Logan did that, guys yeah. like uh, Rona McKay did that. But there was no Ronan fucking Ronan social media hashtag look at him doing, yeah. you were doing it because you Facebook wanted to mm-hmm. there was a, there, there was you a You were bragging on people like, no, fuck. But people, <laughs> but listen, but that's what that's what's missing in this. See, if, like young fighters, if they want to succeed, they need to take themselves off social media, stop promoting themselves, and start putting that energy in towards becoming fucking better. Yeah, and that's it. on the sport itself. Do you know that's all you need to do? And I think Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is now taking over. To be honest, I think it BJ, is, yeah. it's BJ actually does. making me laugh because like. Likes of Phil Graham's now doing BJJ. Yeah. So now every fucking PT in the world is fucking talking about happiness. Right, yeah, don't like, get me wrong. Phil's a phenomenal, talented individual. But, but really... It's not, I'm, not, really. I'm not preaching about it. I'm just saying, it's like this culture of copying. It, it, it's this influencer copying. So, so, these, so are these, these, things, these things are cyclical. Yes. You know, when it was, we had, you know, every celebrity was doing MMA. Every celebrity is now doing BJJ. Do you think these things are just kind of... If it's, if it's something that you're genuinely entrenched then you just have to endure and do and these things 100%. will pass and if it's for you it'll stay I got back into BGM training with Alan Larry. it's yeah, fucking so brilliant yeah. so I, just, I walked in and I was like because Alan was one of my first coaches and I was like fuck it's back to being mm. the way it was and all we up on Davies that time the grappling competition the fire broke out no thank fucking that's not me and I remember fucking me and Alan were grappling and I was, I was actually stoned in the bollocks <laughs> I walked out had a joint smoked a joint and walked back in and got stuck you probably set the fire <laughs> but I, walked, I had to put the fire out we, there was a, the fire broke out in the electric shower and I walked out and my, my face was black you know like you got the cartoon with black face and two white eyes I just walked out right lads fucking stoned <laughs> But we have the fucking damn days. That's the days you're talking about. But yeah, yeah, those those will never take place again. No, you'll never have I, that culture. I again. did an interclub up at Davies years and years ago. I was training under um, Peter Wilson at the Bow Ring. Right. But Peter Wilson, one of the best coaches I've yes. ever had. Just literally one of the grumpiest wee men. Davies. But just genuinely lovely. So doing an interclub up there, and I was waiting to be matched. And you know Richard uh, Dye Doozer. 
Aye. So Dozer, he'd been out the night before, was just there watching. Just, I needed someone to fight. He comes on and doing a bit of grappling with him and the fucking smell of vodka. I <laughs> was, near, was nearly tapping, but it was great crack, but you don't really see those kinds of no. things anymore. You turn up it's with your gone. gear and you just do. That it's culture gone. is gone. And that, that, that's, gone. I think that's why I'm out of MMA now. It's, like, it's, it's, a, it's a scene that I do not enjoy being around anymore. It's a scene about ego. There is no martial art. When I done martial arts, it was about me. It was, it was like me trying to become... I didn't realise then, but it was me trying to prove themselves that I wasn't bullied, that the, yeah. that the person that they made me, that the bullies had fucking made me into they it. They didn't win. Fuck it em. didn't win. So That's it, it. It, was for, it was entirely for you, not for, the, not for the pageantry of the people around you, not for the likes. I think it was... But I'll, I'll be honest, when I was young, I had this dream of being a great fighter because I, I created respect because I was bullied so badly. Okay. So I think it was like, oh, I can fight, mm. but I was never a fighter. And I, I, didn't, I took a tip medium like, to be late 30s to actually admit, hey... <laughs> and I don't need to be a fighter. No, you know it, it's like, like why do I need? Uh, why am I? Why am I seeking respect from others? Mm. Why well, just just respect yourself? Mm-hmm. You know I need to, I need to learn to respect myself and, and be confident within my own. And be a happier person, ultimately yes. overall. And I think being around that sort of culture of like with Davy and without even realizing, Davy made me the man I am in, in mm. a way. You know he, he he helped me grow and he helped me open my mind. There was a I listened to a guy called Les Brown, he's a motivational speaker mm. from America, now fella. But he, it's this thing, I never even said this, Davey, but there was this, it was like, sometimes you need someone else to believe in you until you can believe in yourself. Mm. Davey was that guy for me, because I remember the conversations, Davey always tell me, don't ever let anyone fucking talk to you, Paul. You're fucking doing things that other people are doing that don't have the balls to do. Don't you doubt yourself. You're getting into the kids, they're not. You're, mm. you're having more, you, you have more of my respect than them that ever do, because you fighting, they're not. These guys are all moods. And I just remember thinking, I'm feeling bollocks it's a shit fucking like points probably thinking of killing myself again because it was just like I was feeling so down because I couldn't succeed and I was I was like almost validating you are shit Freddy. you're not good enough you're, and Davey always badgering in my head no you are fucking good enough and he, then when Davey presented me my black belt for, for BC, from the British Campbell Association and allowed me to open my own gym that was like the moment the validation that, moment that was that was that's me now mm. because that one significant moment mm-hmm. of getting a back black belt from Davy and saying, "You can now go coach. You can open your own gym. Yeah, you're good enough. You can, you're good you, enough. You, you, that was like, whoa! If Davy thinks I'm good enough, then I am. Then I am good enough. And then that, that that now I'm here because of mm. that moment. So I owe a lot to Davy, and I think that's what's missing in coaching. I think a lot of coaches need to understand that. People are going through a lot of shit, and you need to and you need to sometimes meet them where they're at, meet people, mm. where they, you know, and give them like, why are you doing this? And like, I don't, I think a lot of people need to feel the need, like I did, feel the need to fight because I have to be a hard man. There's something else missing. Maybe you don't need to fight. Maybe need you to just fight. need to go and find somewhere that suits you, whether yes. that be or in a gym environment or or maybe you need to fight to find that that's not the thing that's, that's for you. Maybe it's for you. maybe it's just because you know. Listen, if you want to like, if you want to fight because you want to prove to yourself like I did mm-hmm. that you know I can do this. Yeah, I'm fucking on, right. That's do exactly the yeah, reason. I, I had no aspirations to do anything beyond. Do you know what I? It. Do you know what I quit MMA? And I tell the story mm-hmm. to all the people in the middle of my fight against Michael Redman. I'll never forget this mm-hmm. time. I remember, and you've watched the video. There's this point where, where the, uh, the left hand side of the cage, and I've got Michael down in like a clinch, mm-hmm. and I let him up, and I just do this massive right hook, and the whole crowd goes, ju- I missed his head by a millimeter, and had I hit him, he was dead. But I remember, like, I hit him a big jab in the face, and just bust his nose open, and uh, blood was pouring out, and he was all, I was like, off the place, and I was like, blow it out. I just I stepped back, and mm-hmm. clear nose. And I remember the crowd going, oh, and I went, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Mm. Like these, yeah, I'm gonna pay fifty quid to let the, the, the risk getting my neck broke here. Mm. Then to these idiots, and I actually remember just going, "Nah, fuck us." Peter Lovery was was refereeing, and there was a st- I went for this Kimura sweep or this um, not Kimura, what the fuck, Omniplata sweep mm. that I'd learned in Australia from Paulo. I was doing BGA for the year in Australia, and I went for it. But it was my favourite move, and I was mm. nailing everyone with it because I was able to hook the glove as a as a lapel. Just on the <laughs> I just put that. I was put my middle finger into the glove, and then just held it like that. That's a move. But it was it worked because it allowed me to it allowed me to get a grip like a gee, yeah. and then just hook the leg, kick my leg, and then go in the armpit and sweep him. But he landed in the ropes, and I, that was reason because I would have won the fight mm. from that point. But then I remember. Peter started me in the middle and I was like stolen for time so I was like no I'm around this way and then I was like no 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 Peter's going Paul what the fuck position you in and I was just an because I was going I don't want to do this anymore I actually just want to run the clock down I want to stop 
Uh, yeah, I just remember thinking, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. I've done it. I've, I've fought and I don't need to fight anymore. And why am I doing this? And it was that moment. I thought to myself, I've never admit that to a lot of people mm-hmm. for a long time mm-hmm. because I was still embarrassed to admit that I wasn't a fighter because, you know, it was the MMA it was back in the day. But now I think there's a lot of kids doing MMA because they feel pressure to do MMA. Whereas MMA could be fucking brilliant for kids' confidence. And you, you can see the fight. Yeah. You can spar. You can spar. And there's some people who just aren't ready to do bring them to the cage. They're mm-hmm. amazing in the, in the gym. gym. But they can't do it in the same. And then that knocks her confidence. So why do it? Yeah, why do you punish know? yourself in that way? I don't understand that. No. But well, getting, back, getting back to you and speaking specifically about you, you, you know, you've done, you've been involved in martial arts for an unbelievable amount of time. You've been involved in the strength, strength, and, strength and conditioning. Are you happy where, with where you are right now? Yeah, definitely. That's, that's 100%. It's like, I think I've found what I enjoy. Now, I... I'm actually doing this, I'll talk to you after I'm talking mm-hmm. because I don't want to, but I'm doing this, but this will be a good thing. But I'm, I think it's, what I've got there, I've got this sort of mantra, it's, it's a famous one, it's better to have something that need it and need something that have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know, so I think guys in their 40s, they're doing BJJ simply because it's a self-defense, and mm-hmm. it allows you to defend yourself because you want to be going down the street with your kids and just go, I know that if shit hits the fan, I've got... Some something, sort of something in my back, in the back pocket, that I, but I don't need to use it, and I think that's sort of the the root angle now. Because I think a lot of the guys down here, and mm-hmm. we would laugh at it. Like I would do something like you know, okay, tie clench, knee, knee, spin around, hook the head, knee, spin them under, arm bar, and they're like, "You're a wizard! <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? You see them shaking, coming? Oh my god, What's that's this amazing! Witchcraft! But to me, it's just like it's, it's so just basic. Bum, 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 yeah. do it. And I'm enjoying doing that. It's like I have discovered, like I coached, I, I was part of Stevie Lynch's coaching team in the UFC. Yeah. I was, like yeah. I was the UFC first. UFC 72. Me and yeah. Davey Patterson. 2007. Yeah, yeah. Davey and I were the first, and Stevie were the first three Irishmen to walk into the UFC. Right? Mm. That's, that's something that I still, yeah. that's huge. I still think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's okay, well, they weren't cheering for me, but Jesus, I got the goosebumps. I got, I was like, see when you hear 9,000 people, shoot Stevie, Stevie, and you're like, well, as well, yeah. which is another thing. So you, you just thought that's goosebumps. That was amazing. That. So that's something that no one can take away from me, you know, and all these haters. That was a great show. Yeah, All these years. Do you know something? We walked in the backstage. This is something that we were you in the backstage. No, it wasn't. No. I was actually just in the show. So I, was, I was in the gods. Yeah. So this is right. this is something that I, this is something that's mad. Everyone, like, we walked out and we watched the fights and I was like, this is shit. Come on, go backstage. So we watched the UFC seventy two in the warm up room on TV with all the fighters around us and Roger Fallis fucking great god as a soul. He started showing us these amazing um, triangle escapes. So we even ran the other I've got them in videos. No, I've still got the video Roger Fallis showing us. Robert. Robert, 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 I say Robert Charger. I don't know why I said Roger. Roger gives his thing there. I remember Fallis um, showing us these techniques of like this, uh, this triangle escape that I still use to this day. And it's so simple. He just blocks his head like that. Oh, and he yeah. steps his leg and kicks through and comes around. And we were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but when you think, like, I have experienced some amazing moments that, that to me it was normal. You can't almost. pay for that. I, I say this all the time, and I, we were talking about this when we were going to Brazil. You know, going to Brazil, I've gone to Brazil with Johnny and Tom, and I fought in the WVC, which at that stage was one of the very few still NHB tournaments ever. Um, I've gone and flown across the planet and fought in Hong Kong and stuff like that. And these are great experiences that you're never going to get again. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're things that when you look back on later in life, you go, you know, it's fucking brilliant. Mm. Awesome time. Great Do you know fun. what gives me more buzz? More buzz than anything. Like, there's Karn Miller. Yeah. Look, Karn's going to Bellator. I'm not coaching him. Mm-hmm. But I know he's standing up my stage and I've, I've been part of that journey. Been, you have an input. It's same with Liam McCourt. Liam McCourt's exactly the same. Liam McCourt, Liam McCourt, Liam I was one totally to start him. Yeah. Do you know, like, so everyone can say that, but they can never take those moments away from me. Yeah. So, like, I'm not looking validation from that. No. It's like, it's a, it's it's a, it's a self-satisfaction. Yeah. Like, they're your moments specifically for you. I'm like, fuck, I've, I've, I have had an influence on that person's life that way. That's an awesome. That's what coaching is to me. Mm-hmm. Coaching is coaching. coaching is not about taking the, the limelight. I don't want the limelight. I just want to know that internal happiness mm-hmm. or satisfaction that, that because you've done of what something I've done, good for these else. people and I go on that. And here, other coaches have brought them further than I can. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. But I started that journey, and to me, that is the it's the grassroots that I enjoy. It's like same as why I coach overweight forty year old dads because I don't care about the guys who've done it. Or, you know, like I want the guys who have never done anything and seeing their seeing their like their the satisfaction in their faces go like fuck I've achieved something I think I could remember your first armbar you fly you're like oh I see that someone that it's the same feeling see, yeah. see but see, see when you know you've coached someone that mm-hmm. and you can see the 
Oh my god, it's come together! Fuck! <laughs> that is to me. That's the best satisfaction you'll ever get. That's what I. That's why I'm a that coach. Light bulb moment. I'm a coach, and I, I'm quite content on saying that I'm a coach and I'm not a fighter. I want to be a coach because as a coach, I can impact so many more lives. As a fighter, you can only impact yourself. It's a selfish sport. Mm-hmm. I'm not selfish. No, and as a coach, as you said, you can touch on, on much many more. You can just before as a as a and I say before we do wrap up, you one of the most. One of the best things I think you've done in the last two years is the fact that you have produced an awful lot of social media content. I hate the term content, you produce some fucking awesome videos on social media, which have brought people who don't know you and have never met you in their life before. Basically, you've gone into their living room, into their phone, into their lives, and you have changed a lot of people with that. I know people who've approached me, I said this to you before, who've never met, didn't know I know you, and have you seen this fucking guy, Paul? Have you seen this rant? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? And you've done that. do you think that has played a part in being a success success where you are now? Or do you think that is just something you did because you were fucking pissed off and angry at the sale of the fitness industry? I'm just pissed off and angry at this culture. Like, how can people be so stupid? Genuinely. The, the, the fucking, the world is full of fucking idiots. It's like so egotistical. Can people not see what's happening? Like, you know, the government's, like, I mean, it's conspiracy theory, but like, people being dumbed down purposely. And it's like the same as MMA. Everything's being dumbed down. And everyone's saying the same sound. Everyone's saying things for sound bites. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, oh, that sounded cool. Let, let's pick Phil Graham because he's well respected. Mm-hmm. If Phil Graham says something, you'll guarantee fifty fucking PTs in the next three weeks are going to say the same thing. Or in the next twenty minutes. But they're not going to say it. There's no, there's no substance behind what they're saying. It's saying, oh, that sounds good. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. That'll get me likes. Mm-hmm. They're not really trying to change lives. They, there's no confidence in themselves. Like, have the balls disagree? Like if Phil said something, Phil said something about fucking um, disowning your parents, if they, and he's like, "Fuck that! That's the most idiotic thing I've ever heard." But that's the you've got to be careful if you're an influencer what you're saying because people. By the very nature, you want to influence other yeah. people to fucking do it. How can you try to say to someone if your parents are negative what your beliefs are? Divorce them. Garbage. Utter garbage. Like, what the fuck? That's a thirty-year-old saying that. Because at forty-two <laughs> years old, you don't think like that. At forty-two years old, and your mum and dad are 60, 70, you realise what they've done for you, and, and you, you realise they they're not going to be there forever. Exactly. But you know, they are going to be there for you one hundred percent of the time. And you see, when everyone's laughing at you and everyone's calling you a dick and everyone's saying you're useless, your parents are going to be the ones that you can fall back on. Mm-hmm. So why the fuck you said? But that's like, that's an incident. That's, that's an example. I'm using, one example you know, of that. But there's no critical thinking these days in anything. It's about it's about me. Narcissism, the human nature of narcissism, is coming so strong and, and prevalent that we're able, they're able to do this. And it's that's what I'm against in the whole culture. You know, I, and I want to be that voice that turns around and goes, at least someone speak... The voice of reason. In a sense. Yeah. I don't care if you... I'm polarizer. Like, I know I'm Mormite, human Mormite. Yeah, you love me, you hate me. Uh-huh. I want that. Mm-hmm. Because if I hit you, if you hit me, and I've never spoke to you, well, then that's an internal issue. There's something inside you... But you still that watch I've, it. You've yeah, still watched it. You've still taken on board. I had a conversation with somebody years and years ago. I'm not going to get into CrossFit. But it was about CrossFit. And the person said to me, fuck you, you're just a hater. I said, I'm glad you called me that. I said, it sounds great. Now be me because you've taken on board what I've said. At least you've digested something that we've been talking about. And you've made a decision based at least on some sort of fact that we've talked about. You know, some so woman come up to me and just started me in little one day. She's like, what you're saying is so wrong, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Brilliant. and she started fighting me. I was like, I was like, have I ever spoke to you? She's like, no. I was like, but yet you got pissed off at what I'm saying. She's like, yes. I was like, well, why? Why did you get pissed off? What What did I say that was so angry you said? It's like, so that's an internal issue in you. Whatever I've said to you has resonated so deeply within you that you don't want to face that you have to, you have to change that part of you. So it's, it's easier for you to come up and rant on me because you're a fucking victim. Mm. Stop being a fucking victim on the shit and change, and change your life. Because that's what, the, that's what the goal is. Like, I was egotistical as fuck because I was so insecure. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me years to... You know, chip away, and like that's why I've done the ayahuasca, that's why I've done DMT, that's why I've done the psilocybin. I've done all the. Like it's soul searching. It's, 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 I, am, I am genuinely going deeper and deeper and deeper mm. into my own being and going, trying to trying to unlock the, the that subconscious issues in my mind of what the fuck's holding me back. Because I know there's still things holding me back. We've all got issues. Of course we do. And if you don't, if you're not trying to you're better yourself, yeah. and you're staying, instead you're going on social media trying to present an image of yourself that's not true. It's fake. It's fake as fuck. I think that's why some people like me, some people hate me. Mm-hmm. Because at least what I'm saying is true. You know me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying is not from a point it, of no, like it's not fame. From, from egotistical so, desire. Do you think it, it comes from the people that like you say something, or the people that like you really like you because you've said something that resonates with them, and the people that don't like you don't like you for exactly the same reason? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's, 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 everyone is, it's on, you can be offensive. I could turn around and call a black man, yo, nigger, that's offensive. He doesn't have to be offended by that, but that's me being a dick. 
That's me just being a racist. Yeah, it's being a racist. Yeah. And I'm being a. But then Tiger Woods just died. Don't you remember the, the, the one of the white coaches or one of the white golfers mm-hmm. started the, the, the annotations are about um being this young black. He was always saying about the black guy and mm-hmm. the black the black up and coming kid. And Tiger Woods' dad was on TV and he was like, he can he can call that's. Up to him if he wants to be offensive, it's his issue. But I'm not. I'm going to choose not to be offended by mm. allowing his words because that's at the end of the day. You call me a fat, useless, baldy bastard, and I can be <laughs> offended by that, or I can just go, okay, uh-huh. thanks. Who's who's you? I can give you power by getting offended and reacting to what you're saying. That's giving your words power. That's you're giving. I'm, I just granted you power over me. You've not I've allowed you to annoy me, or I can just go. So fuck. So we've covered, you know, an absolute myriad of topics. Everything from. From martial arts to, to mental health, strength, and, my mind. strength and conditioning. You know, it's it's almost like you you've got this in your head. You've a topic and all these little different strands that are all saying, "Pick me, pick me." But is it, to to finish on, is is there anything you you would like to that you haven't got out there yet? You'd like to finish up on to to wrap up with? I'm sure. I'm sure. As soon as we wrap up, we'll think, "Fuck, I should have said that. I should have said that." Well, as, as as we were saying there, you know, we're we're definitely going to do a part two of this because there's there's there's, yeah. so, there's so much more. I think we've only really scratched the surface here, and we could end up doing an entire series we just can. for yourself. One thing I will say is like MMA can be the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world. Right now, this week we're recording this. There's been 15 guys who've killed themselves in Belfast in the last 10 days. A very sad one. I saw the other day of a young fella who it's actually reached out asking about his friend's own mental health and then the next day the fella killed himself. It's fucking criminal. It's, it's, it's fucking criminal. But here's the thing. MMA, in my opinion, could be the saviour for a lot of kids. It's like boxing in the troubles. Mm-hmm. You know, boxing, boxing even now. Boxing now, yes. But I think the MMA with the popularity of it. It's a popularity, it's, but the, behind know, the scenes, still the boxing look, in, in Northern Ireland and Ireland overall is saving people day and day. But there needs to be... The problem is a lot of coaches don't have the mindset or the, the confidence, I think, to actually address these situations. I don't think I, they can recognise it. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I, have, I have went through it. I've been to my mm-hmm. dark points. I told you, like, at 40 years old, I was mm-hmm. going to kill myself again. Only from a mate, Mark Brown. Do you know Browners? Of course I do. Right. Mark and I have Mark, best right, okay. mates for years. And years. I, was driving on to the, um, to, I was driving on to uh, Kendi Way, and I was going to kill myself. I was going to drive the car into the bridge so the kids would get the money. And I was just so down. Mm-hmm. This place wasn't working. I was... Hadn't eaten in three days, couldn't afford food. And people don't think it. People think, oh, fuck, he's making Think you in the gym there. No, you're yeah. fucking, it's a struggle. And then I, I, a lot of issues in my own mind. Me and the ex-partner just broke up and we were having arguments. In the way, the, the nastiness when you break up yeah, and there's the kids involved. I couldn't give her the money and there was like, Ugh. and I was like, you know something, I am a useless dad. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to kill myself. And I'll do it properly. So it's an accident. So they've got 250 grand. She needed to look after them. She needs mm-hmm. need a great mother. She's an amazing mother. Regardless of our arguments, mm-hmm. she is the best mother I could have asked my children. And she'll get the money and he'll get a house and they'll look mm. after. So I was driving on to the M1 and I was going to hit that M1, smashing the bridge, and that was it. It'd be, it'd be an accident. Mm. Do you know, I'd lose control of my car and then they'd get the money. And I was sitting in a traffic jam, luckily, and Mark Brown phoned me up, 17th of October 2017, and I still remember the clear day. And uh, Mark goes, What are you at? And I was like, oh, Nothing, just in the car, just around the corner of the mirror. He's like, I ain't got the morning tonight. Do you want to go for a night hike? I've been promising it for the last six months. We're going to do it now. Mm. I was like, I okay. And that saved me. That's it. Fuck. That one. That, that moment. That's a great. You know, I don't really. I, I kind of do believe in fate, but. Oh, here, that listen. Was a, that listen. is one of those twists of fate that if it without somebody. I told Mark that that night. That I moment, and he night. slammed the back. I, 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 I can see his face. What the fuck? Yeah. But, but Jenny, listen. I. And so back to what I was saying. MMA. You can save people's lives with it. But the culture we've got in MMA today is going to kill more kids. Because the failure, the, 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 this need, this desire to. Be to be recognised and, and to be the UFC no mm. you need to forget about that the UFC will be a byproduct if you're good enough mm. but you've got to be strong enough to realise that you probably aren't going to be good enough and if you're doing it just because you want to get recognition to be in the UFC you're probably going to be miserable if you change your mindset and actually go into MMA to understand personal growth mm-hmm. it's about achieving things it's like I couldn't do it's like doing deadlifting here I couldn't do 100 kilo now I'm 150 kilo I've achieved something more mm. I couldn't do an arm bar I, could, I was getting beat by everyone here no, I, I am. I think MMA misses what's MMA missing MMA is belts, because it gives you it gives you achievement. An achievement. Like you know, I'm fucking in this in the, in the MMA twenty years nearly, mm. and I'm going to be back to be, I'm a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. I'm the longest serving blue belt in the world. I think <laughs> yeah, I, I two thousand and five. I got my blue belt. I think I got mine the same. I walked into school at Belfast with Aaron Lowry, mm. you know, and there was kids 
doing shit to me that I was going, what? I was actually doing things, just going, oh, I've got him. And then I felt this arm going into the game. like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. And then I said, boy, I was, I was spinning around and something was going to go and throw a punch. Like, I was like, I can't punch. Fuck, what do you do here? Do you know, because everyone was off Davy Patterson, everyone off the strike. Yeah. But I think, you know, I think MMA, if... It's structured, and Danny Core is going to do this. I think Danny Core's ideas it could, it's, it could be building brilliant. a good structure. I think it's what's needed. Mm-hmm. You could find that MMA could be the cure for a lot of depression, mm-hmm. a lot of fucking in, insecurities in children, mm-hmm. because social media is creating an, an, a, a world of comparison, and you're never going to be good enough. Fake bullshit yes, but you're never going to be good enough. No, you're at 15, not. you don't know that. No, you don't. At 15, when you, you see that. someone getting the hot girl mm-hmm. or fucking doing this job or whatever it is, or winning this, you want to be that person, but you're thinking, I'm not good enough, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that it's probably not true what they're saying. No, it's bullshit. It's like Conor McGregor driving around 20. a fucking rented yes. car. People think he owns all. I know he doesn't own that. Catch a grip of yourself. It's fucking, it's, he probably it's, owns it now, but he didn't own it at the time. It needs to be, there needs to be some sort of like coaches, I think, need the responsibility. If you're an egotistical coach or if you're an insecure coach, you need to start recognizing that. You need to start taking it. You need to stop bringing your energy on the up and putting it on your fighters. One of the things I've noticed as well from learning about being a coach, and I, did, I never wanted to be a coach, and I guarantee now of you. I, you. Maybe you did. Maybe you no, said I, I think thing. I did want to be a coach. I had no interest in ever being a, co- being a coach. I was always wanting to be the competitor. I've coached since 15. And from I've become a coach now, but I have noticed in myself a lot more growth, personal growth. And you realize that you probably I, I know now the mistakes I was making when I was younger and the, the goal for a coach now I think is to not allow younger people or people who are young in the sport I don't care you could be 60 and still young in the sport to make the mistakes that you made and I think the difference between a coach and a trainer is that the coach will allow that person to use their own skill and adapt their own method to show them how it's done whereas a trainer will just show you something and leave yeah. you alone and I think that also a coach has a responsibility what you said there too now when you're becoming a coach I think there should be something that you're there to recognise whether somebody's going through a tough time there is help out there is obviously suicide assist training I don't know if you've done it mm-hmm. I've, done I've it actually discovered coming and doing it uh, I've done assistance assist intervention it's really really good yeah. it's um, like first aid like the first aid to suicide pretty you, much you yeah. can talk them down yeah. 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 It's, it's really recognises signs and Listen, symptoms I know them signs yeah. I see that's, that's one yeah. thing I've, I've, like, there's been a lot of people have walked on me and said to me and it's, 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 this to me is worth more than any money Paul without you I'd be dead yeah. I'm like what They're like yeah I was that's I huge. was going to kill myself I was going to be in jail I was going to do drugs mm-hmm. I was you're you, what you've done for me, and I still get people messaging me, like going that video. That's made me. That's made me realize that I'm I'm um, neglecting my children for my job. I need to stop. Thank you. Things like that. It's, it's a worth family. More to you it's, than, yes, hundred percent. It's that's why I, I am a coach, and the the, the, the money is the byproduct. I need money to survive. Like everyone, of course, yeah. everyone yeah. needs money. And people think, oh, you're making money. Of course, I'm making money. It's my business. If it didn't, you'd be fucking failure. But, but I'm doing. I'm doing more than that mm-hmm. and I think MMA coaches need to re- recognise that mm-hmm. they've got the skills and if they, they, they teach them the audience techniques. more than anything yes. else they have the audience but if you're fucking if you're humble enough to actually recognise this you can maybe help a lot more people mm-hmm. and I think that's what's missing in MMA it's like if you get rid of as a coach if you get rid of your ego and you actually start focusing on what you're meant to do for you as a coach you're, you're, you should be in the background you should not be seen do you know the only time you should be in an MMA coach is hugging your you're hugging your uh your fighter after he wins, or well, commiserating them when he gets when beat. You either way, you've got to be there for him. Mm-hmm. Do you know when who was said that? Like you knew who real friends were because Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was when who was left in the changing room. When yeah. yeah. Do you know? And I think that's it. And or Tyson might have been Tyson actually. Might have been Tyson. Actually, says like you realised who was who was the real friends when you realised who was in the changing room when you lost. Yeah. And it was you know it was one guy. You need to be there for your fighters, and you need to understand what they're going through, and you need to there's signs, and I think today especially we we were lucky we got. We got through it. Well, well, because the social media didn't exist when exactly. we were there. I I, well, it did daughters. exist, but I mean, it, it did exist, but it was in a different format. Yeah. And it's strange because you, we're going to put this in social media. I want people to listen to this because I want people to, to, to listen to you. And I want social people to see media you. is not bad. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's hard to use. It's the application. Yeah, it's the application. Social like gun, media can be fucking personally. amazing. A gun isn't a horrible item. It's a very unique piece of engineering, but in the wrong hands, it's an instrument of death. Martin, I know everyone laughs at the stammer, right? But my friend Martin. Yeah, I know what it is. He is fucking. I'm legit if you're the scariest man I've ever. Literally the scariest man I've ever met in my life. The way he punches me from one inch, and I'm on the floor for ten minutes, can't move. And he's done things like he's done crazy things, but uh, he always says the knife. He was like, "What's the? What? Like, we use real knives." And I used to come up with cuts and stab wounds all the time because we would actually get stabbed, do they? Right? We get stabbed like properly, fucking 
sliced open in the ring. That's intense as fuck. But do you know what it taught you? Not to focus on the knife. To focus because the knife is not the danger. Mm-hmm. The, the, the instrument. Of it. It's the application. It's the Just person. Human. If I take the person out, then the knife isn't dangerous. Yeah. But it, Martin goes, "What's this? It's dangerous." And he's like, "No," and he throws it on the ground and goes, "Is it still dangerous?" Mm. You know, it's not. It's like, but it's dangerous now because I'm holding it. So the person, so it's the application, like the gun, you know. And that's that? it's pretty similar to what social media. And then can, can be, fucking no? see, cut you, can cut your food, or can kill you. You know, it, it's the application of the knife, mm. not the actual knife itself. Same as social media. Mm. Social media, you can apply it if you if applied correctly, and it's not. We we're, as as humans, we're narcissistic naturally, mm-hmm. and it's just given us a platform to be more narcissistic. More narcissistic. And the, here's course. the problem as well. See, when you get likes, you start playing your own bullshit. I do not. No, my crossing video. Yeah. Right. Awesome. It, it got like seventy thousand views and fucking. And I was like, holy shit! But you know how much business it got me? Zero. <laughs> See the videos that I got ten likes with. It got me fucking maybe thirty members. Mm-hmm. It's not about the likes for me. It's about the message. Yeah. I done that for rant because it was pissing me off, and I just I'll do occasional rants. I've got another wee one coming up. It's slagging some fucking steroid cake, but fucking. <laughs> but. It's the application, and if you if you get focused on the likes, and you get focused on these kids, will because it's like popularity, popularity, popularity. Is, yeah. Well, then whenever you don't get that, then you start that 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 gives you the, that those likes are not controlling your anxiety, fucking. It's controlling your mood. Mm-hmm. You know you need to get rid of that. That's mm-hmm. why I'm telling young fighters to get rid of social media and just fucking focus on your mm-hmm. fighting, and then you're not you're not a slave to the likes. You're just a slave to the technique, mm-hmm. and you'll know you're getting better because you're winning or losing. Mm-hmm. You're, you don't need validation. So before we wrap up here, where can people find you on social media after we've rapped so much about Where can people get you on social media? Primal Strength and Movement, mm-hmm. the Dad Bought Bible, Strength Coach Ireland. Strength Coach Ireland on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then Primal Strength and Movement and Dad Bought Bible on Instagram as well. Brilliant. Um, where can we find you, Phil? You can find me at PC underscore commentary on Instagram or just Phil Campbell on Facebook. Uh, Phil, just before you go any further, you have a big trip coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> on Monday, I fly out to Brazil to commentate on Brave Combat Federation 25. Then from Brazil, I fly to Bogota, Colombia for Brave Combat Federation 26. So please check out Brave Combat Federation on Facebook, Instagram, and you can see it all on bravefights.com. Folks, before uh, be remiss me not to point out, we should all be liking, sharing. Uh, our own social media site which is not another fight cast on uh, Instagram and also on Facebook so folks if you can do that for us it really does help and we're grateful to every person who does do that because iTunes do now uh, yes that's right yes can I just point out iTunes we eventually got onto iTunes with the help of Mr. Robert Pallon, um, who's very, very... Cheers, Rob. Yeah, really, really helpful to me over the last couple of weeks. And eventually we have suffered enough and we have solved our iTunes problem. So we're now on iTunes, so you can search for Not Another Fightcast on iTunes, Podcast Addict, and where you get your podcast fixed. Please like and share, folks. Share this message, especially the message we have from Paul here. Um, we're going to have to do a, a round two of this. There's no other way around that. Um, so, look, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, thank you very much. We have been Not Another Fightcast. Paul, thank you very much for your time. Thank yes, you very much for listening to my rants. Thank and you we, for no, the, the, the honesty, the humility, the insight. Thank you very much, man. Uh, really Thanks brilliant. You. And we will be doing a, a round two of this, folks. Once again, thank you very much for your time. We do value everybody's time when you take time out of your, your very busy day to listen to us. So hopefully we'll be back very soon. Thank you very much. Peace out, folks.